essentially how how can we ensure that every dollar that we spend is getting our message in front of um you know in front of our ideal customer profile or their our ER clients ideal customer profile their icp you know that's really where like the top three to five percent of marketers separate themselves for the pack um, is that they can leverage channels that they already own to maximum effect and do that in creative ways Tired of awkwardly trying to sync up messy marketing channels between email, social, web, and more? It's a jungle out there. In this episode, we'll talk about how to coordinate your campaigns across all these touch points and more. We'll dish on creative ways to craft seamless customer experiences, avoid embarrassing messaging fails, and level up your results with some sweet omni-channel magic. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I'm your host, Mallory Kuhn, and I'm joined today by Matt Kennard, Senior Growth Marketer at Lean Labs. Hi there, Matt. How are you today? Hey, Mallory. I am doing great. I got a little bit of the sniffles uh, from some holiday travel uh, <laughs> and weather and travel and being around lots of people. But other than that, I'm doing fantastic. Oh, yes. It's the season for that. Am I right? <laughs> Indeed. Well, I'm excited because today we're talking about something that is very important um, to, I mean, really all brands, and it's cross-channel marketing campaigns. So how you can coordinate your marketing efforts across all the different channels um, that you should be exploring for your business. So let's start really high level. When we're talking about cross-channel marketing and we're talking about B2B, what channels are we talking about? What channels should B2B marketers be concerned with when they're building their campaigns? Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's you know, kind of the the tried and true. Whenever you talk about you know just specific channels, not not tactics, but but channels, you know, there's the tried and true ones. So there's obviously your own your own website, right? Uh, your particularly your blog if you're driving, you know, wanting to drive organic traffic, um, which most people are. Most people need the traffic in order to turn those into leads. Uh, but you got your own website. You have, you know, you have emails. Uh, hopefully, those are to a targeted audience who has opted in. Uh, to to marketing emails and you're using good list segmentation practices, uh, and then you get into you know the you know the the paid components. So there's you know there's PPC ads, uh, which I used to do a lot of that. I have not done that for a while, uh, so I don't really know. I'm not really in the know on on PPC and what's going on with that. Uh, there's social media ads on you know LinkedIn, Twitter, Reddit, Facebook. Uh, you know, that you link to your campaign pages. So there's all those. Yeah, there's the retargeting aspects of, of each of those as well. Um, you have organic social postings. If you have a, you know, if you have a presence already and, and you're using uh, the organic social aspect of it. Um, so those kind of like, those are like the kind of tried and true. But then there's also, you know, um, you know, something that that's made, um, that's made some waves in recent years is definitely like affiliate and, and partner marketing, collaborative marketing, um, you know, through announcements or emails or just links to your campaign page. Um, you know, there's obviously there's referral programs and, and things like that where you can, um, you know, acquire more, acquire more qualified leads uh, by, 
customers referring them, uh, referring people that they know to you, people who qualify for the program. You know, there's also, you know, digital PR efforts. So PR style pitches to niche industry outlets to earn links. Uh, there's influence, influencer marketing, not, I'm not really talking about, you know, in the B2B space, not so much like someone on TikTok doing a dance or whatever, something like that, but <laughs> just influential people in your space who, you know, who people trust. You know, we talk about the concept from Russell Brunson a lot internally at Lean Labs, the the Dream One Hundred, uh, people who you know who are known in the industry, um, who you know you partner with, or maybe they help you promote it. Um, you know, those those type of plays as well. Um, so there's, I mean, there's your your traditional channels that have always been there, but then you know being creative with how to use those, and then it's more. Um, there's no shortage of channels, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Um, yeah, now really the, the challenge comes in deciding which channels you want to use um, and are going to give you the best chance for success in your marketing campaign. And it's usually, I always start with, I feel like it's best to start with what you already have, what you already own before jumping into something new. So like, obviously with, with, you know, with your own website, you're, you're collecting contact for, you know, contact information through forms. So you can use like form submissions. Or if you have things set up for lifecycle stages, you know, lead, MQLS, kill, et cetera. You can use those properties to create, you know, more segmented email lists. Again, we want to make sure our email lists are are being sent to um be, you know, being sent to the right target audience. Um, you know, if you want to leverage social in any capacity, whether it's paid or organic, it's super beneficial and definitely best practice to already have been active uh on those social channels, uh, particularly if it's coming from a company page. But also if it's coming from, you know, pages of, of high profile people at your company, um, you know, if you have, if you have partners and affiliates and you want to use them, you really should have been in con regular contact and providing value to them already. So you're not coming, you know, just so you're not coming to them and saying like, Hey, I really want to talk to you when I have, uh, you know, when I need something. When I need something. When yeah. It <laughs> me, you know, you need to have some regular contact going with, with them and providing some value to them. Um, then say, Hey, you know, uh, you know, this is where you could, you could definitely help us. Um, so yeah, I mean, I always like to start with like what, what we already have or, you know, what in our, you know, in our, um, in our spot as a, you know, as an agency partner for clients, what do they already have? What do they already own that we can leverage before jumping into anything new, particularly, you know, when it comes to jumping into anything new, some different channels or tactics to leverage. Like if it's a paid pay promotional channel of some kind, so social ads, for example, uh, you know, what targeting, what does their targeting look like and how easy is it? Essentially, how, how can we ensure that every dollar that we spend is getting our message in front of, um, you know, in front of our ideal customer profile or their, our ER clients, ideal customer profile, their ICP, you know, that's really where like the top three to 5% of marketers separate themselves for the pack, um, is that they can leverage channels that they already own to maximum effect and do that in creative ways. Um, and then they can do the same for any new tactics or channels. They're very specific with what they do. They don't try to do uh, too much with a whole bunch of channels. They really focus in on, you know, the one or two that they feel like they can get the most, uh, get the most out of. And then once the channels and tactics are decided upon, of course, then the best marketers are also elite when it comes down to, you know, to message consistency across campaign touch points. So, that was a lot about, there's a lot of, the, obviously they look, there's a lot of channels out there and then deciding which to use comes down to what do you already have that you can maximize and what new channels, what new tactics can 
you get up and going quickly and ensure that your your investment in those is is going to get to get to the right people and give you the best you know the best ROI for that. Yeah, I think that's all really valuable. So, you know, cuz it's easy to think, you know, for B2B that a maybe you underestimate how many channels you have available to you. Um, especially when it comes to social, right? A lot of people don't necessarily think about social, but for a lot of brands, it works well. Um, so I think it's important to lay out all the options, but I, I really do uh, agree with and, and appreciate that final point of, yeah, there's a ton of options, but the answer isn't to, you know, just go scattershot and try a little bit of everything. It's to really hone in on a few and, and you know, kind of stake your claim. Um, but we're going to be, you know, obviously cross-channel. We're doing several and more than just one how do you ensure messaging consistency across each channel, but also each touch point? So, um, you know, it, and I think it's especially important to consider radically different channels. So you want to hit the right tone for the channel while still keeping your messaging consistent, um, which can be a tough and tricky balance to strike. Um, so what's what's your take on that and your kind of advice for marketers looking to do that? Yeah, so I think there's a few kind of foundational handrails, uh, sort of, you know, that you can refer to them as handrails that can guide you uh, when you're creating messaging for different channels. I mean, to start, and this should be, you know, this is very basic, but you should really look at what your brand guidelines are for voice, tone, and style um, when it comes to when it comes to messaging. You know, if it's if you're campaign messaging, unless you are, there's 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 always an exception to the rule. Um, and this feels like a pretty rare exception, but unless, you know, if your if your campaign messaging is a vast departure from the way your brand normally looks or sounds or feels, it's gonna create some dissonance with your audience. You know, obviously there's again, you can find examples of where brands um where brands did depart from that in a very radical way. Um more than likely they're gonna be leader brands who have the ability to do that because they're so well known. It's not that smaller b2b brands can generally get away with um but it can it can work uh, but it is it is the exception so you have to be on tone on style and on brand uh and your brand guidelines are a good place to start for that um i think the next thing is and, and part of that brand guidelines can also be you know as you mentioned different channels might call for for different language and you know more casual tone and more formal tone you know, I think if you have if you have your brand guidelines set in terms of what your voice and tone looks like, you can be flexible by channel if it if it calls for it. You know, for example, like email subject lines, like you really have to earn that open. You have to be creative with your subject lines and your preview text, right? So it may mean that you have to use emojis or other attention grabbing copy uh, you may not normally use, or that may technically be quote unquote against your brand guidelines in order for people to just open your email. Um, and that's okay. You just have to define, you just might just have to define some channel specific rules in, in your brand, in your brand guidelines or in a creative brief, which is another, you know, aspect of this, um, another kind of guard, guardrail of, of, um, you know, ensuring that if you have a, you know, in a, a cross channel, marketing campaign that you have everything set up the way you want and messaging is consistent the creative brief should lay out key phrases and points you know to get across to the market um that helps everyone who's going to be involved in in the campaign whether it's designers whether it's developers building pages copywriters um you know 
uh, customer support folks who are going to have to answer questions. Um, you know, that's a channel that we didn't even that we didn't even talk about yet. Um, but you know, so the support side of it, the internal side of it, it just helps everyone be on the pay, same page. And it's like this is the this is the one central hub for for this campaign, and this is how we're going to say things, this is how we're going to refer to things. These are our key points. Uh, so everyone's on the same page about that. And then I guess the last bit is just making sure that your language is is essentially SME approved. Uh, so are you using the right terminology for the market? Are the words that you are using what they would use to describe their problem, what they need, or, you know, the kind of broader context of the market? Um, you know, as ag- as agency folks, we we always, I, th- I say that we always have to know just enough to be dangerous, but we don't always know, unless you've been working with a client for a long time and you have kind of over time gathered a lot of deep insight into the market, you're never going to know as much as sales reps, senior engineers, VPs, and executives who have been in that industry for for years, you know, decades sometimes. Um, so you just have to make sure that they have a, a, an input into the, into that as well and say, hey, you know, does this, if I said this phrase is our ICP, is that going to make sense to them or do I have to use another word here or there? So it's not an exhaustive list, but those, you know, those three things I think will prevent most cross-channel marketing campaign messaging mishaps that that tend to come up well speaking of those mishaps (laughs) we we always have to get negative at some point sure get it out of the way (laughs) yeah what are some of those potential mishaps pitfalls mistakes um you know that that you've seen marketers make or you know you've you've experienced uh with regard to cross-channel marketing yeah i mean just take everything I just said and don't do that. Or don't do, opposite, it. <laughs> do the opposite of that. Um, as I said, you know, going way out of left field with creative and po- copy that sounds and looks and feels way different than the brand. Like, as I said, that can, this can work on rare occasions. Again, not generally, not generally for those who are not leader brands or not, you know, don't have the corner of the market. Um, but also like, and, and you know, I've been guilty of this in campaigns as well Is like losing focus on what your campaign goal is. You know, you get, you get so enamored with the idea that you have for this landing page and the video that's going to be on it or the, how it's going to look. You get too in love with a, you know, a certain headline that's maybe too, you know, too cute by half or something like that, um, that you lose focus on like, what problems are we trying to solve? How can we solve it better than the alternatives and how can we the lives of our ICP or our, our audience or target audience easier, better. How can we help them get a promotion? Whatever it is, whatever transformation we're trying to help them make. Losing focus on those things and having those as your guiding lights, like it, it, it can happen. Like it can happen and, and it's going to negatively impact, you know, the results that you're able to get. I would say the other big thing, and again, I'm raising my hand on this one is being being guilty of, of this. And that's how I know. Um, it's a mistake that you should make is not being deliberate or detailed enough in this, like the strategy planning phase and the planning phase of your, of your cross channel strategy, like the best marketing work, the best work in general. I mean, you look at people who are elite in the field companies that are elite, what they do teams that are elite in, in their sport, the, it comes down to, you know, getting the foundations right. And so it's just kind of ingrained in the best marketing work is a result of hours spent researching, understanding the market, analyzing performance data from other, you know, marketing campaigns or assets that are out there, 
asking questions to the market, asking questions to your SMEs, asking questions to your to your sales reps, people who are customer facing or market facing, um, and then taking all those things and synthesizing them down and setting yourself up to win. Um, you know, plus you'll need you'll need others to help execute your your strategy as well. It's not going to be just you. Um, I mean, sometimes for some companies you might be the sole marketer, but you're going to need others to. You're going to need someone to help you design it, whether it's in-house resource or an out, you know, a third-party outsourced resource to help design something. Um, so details help your teammates understand their role and help them execute at a higher level so you don't have to spend... You can focus more on the campaign. You're not spending your time micromanaging stuff and you know having to go back through rounds and rounds of revisions of things um, or ensuring something got done because people already know what their role is. So... Be deliberate, be detailed in the planning, uh, and stay focused on what your campaign campaign goal is, is really the the way to get around those things. Yeah, well, I, I want to touch on uh, a piece of that a little a little more in depth and and take it, uh, I guess, it, it, at a slightly different angle. So, you know, talking about bringing others in to help execute the strategy. Um, you know, I know at, at Lean Labs, we're, we're pretty blessed with a pretty small team, um, so it is you know, a bit easier for us to coordinate. Um, you know, we generally know who to go to for for this, that, and the other thing. But I've worked at organizations that were a lot bigger than Lean Labs, um, where there's whole teams for, you know, specific things. Um, so what kind of uh, advice or take do you have on agencies and organizations that might struggle with siloing? So, for example, the social team isn't talking to the sales team, uh, for example. Yeah, I mean, it's when you think about, you know, to speak from the you know the client agency relationship. Obviously, that's that's already more complicated than just something that's in house because you're relying on two different entities, two different companies trying to execute together, right? So there's already there's there's built in risk for both in house teams running campaigns themselves in collaborating with an agency, but that's just kind of a natural thing uh, that you could see with the agency, um, the agency aspect of it. And honestly, it it comes down to have you set up a great foundation. Just like we talked about the best marketing campaigns come down to having done your foundational work the best. When it comes to breaking down silos, particularly in, in an agency quiet uh, relationship, you know, how well, how well do you work together? You know, can you, have you set up the, the parameters, the, um, you know, is there, is there a, a history of being able to communicate honestly without people, taking it too personally and just knowing that it's about trying to trying to position yourselves to win you know how easily can you communicate and at what speed do do slack messages go messages go unanswered uh for you know 24 48 hours when they really need to be something that's you know that's answered within minutes or a couple of hours at most uh it comes down to having those communication foundations set up um and having some some experience of, of nailing those things and doing it well um, in a client agency relationship, I think whether it's in-house or, you know, in a, in a client agency situation, the biggest rift or silo I've seen, and it's wild because this gets talked about so much, it always, almost always exists between marketing and sales. Um, and then a lot of, you know, and a lot of times people don't even bother talking to customer support people because, you know, if a lot of people, you know, a lot of people kind of think like, Hey, that's a, that's dealing with that current customers, sales and marketing. We're trying to bring in new customers, but it's like, well, the support people also have are getting questions about the product. They're also getting questions 
um, and our influence and our ability to raise paying clients so that we don't have to bring, continually bring in more bring, and acquire more and more just to replace people who churn. Um, but there are, you know, get, getting back to marketing and sales alignment, I mean, just, just go look at podcast episodes. I mean, there's, there are so many podcast episodes and LinkedIn posts and books and other opinions about marketing and sales alignment from people much smarter than I am. So all I'll say is that like you, sales and marketing folks have to be talking regularly and have to be talking transparently. Um, you know, when it comes down to like, Hey, what's the, the, you know, the sinks that, that, that we run and that I've run in the past, it's like, Hey, what's, you know, okay. So for this time period, what's here's, you know, here's the list of, of, you know, qualified pipeline that we have. Did you talk to this person? What was the result of that conversation? What did they, did it feel positive, feel negative? Why did it feel that way? What specific things did they, they talk about that are new? Um, what of our assumptions about the market did, did they, um, you know, were kind of proven true by what they were saying and which ones might've been proven false or, or what's new, um, you know, for opportunities to that, that we won, why do we win those? Why do they end up choosing us? Which I think is a question that doesn't get asked a whole lot. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to dog on salespeople because I've, I've worked with a lot of great ones. Um, but sometimes what happens is it's like, they were so happy that they won this sale that they didn't really ask why or they assumed because the they answered specific questions about certain things that that's the reason why but if we can understand why we win those opportunities it's like that's all stuff that can be funneled back into into our, our marketing efforts um you know in and into sales pitches and things like that so you have to be having these these conversations regularly and, and transparently and having great a great relationship between marketing and sales and then also, as I mentioned, the the customer support folks, you have to be talking to them as well because they, they're an untapped, uh, in a lot of cases, they're an untapped resource for, for a lot of great information about what's happening after someone becomes a customer. You know, maybe there was a disconnect between what they thought the product was going to do and now they're having trouble with it because it's not, it's not living up to what they thought it was. So maybe what we're saying in our marketing is not the best. So, uh, yeah, if you want a, a more sophisticated take on, on marketing and sales alignment, um, just, just search that on Google and you'll get a lot more smarter opinions than, than myself, but just talk transparently and talk regularly between those two teams. Yeah. So would you say the, one of the best ways to start breaking down those silos is just that, uh, clear and regular communication or do you have any other, uh, tips for, for folks looking to start that process at least? Yeah, clear. I think the clear regular communication is part of it. I mean, anytime you're going to look up sales and marketing, uh, you're going to be your you know, sales and marketing alignment, you're going to get to inevitably you'll get to something that says like there should be an SLA between marketing and sales, which is, you know, marketing sends you this number of leads. You need to be closing this number of things. Yeah, this this number of deals, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm not going to dive deep into that because that can get murky because you know, what marketing would require, a, would, would, uh, uh, would say is a, is a good lead gets to sales and it ends up being crap. Um, it's a, but that's something you have to, again, if you're regularly talking about that, like that's, that's something that can work itself out over time. So you can get to a good definition of what is a good lead. Okay. Now that we have that definition. Um, 
here's what we think we can generate for those for a month to send you sales folks. Here's how many you should be closing in order for us to hit growth goals, revenue goals, et cetera, et cetera, that we're all responsible for. Um, other than that, you know, just a lot of SOPs around, um, SOPs around just like processes and how things get done, who gets, you know, who needs to be, um, who needs to be in communication about these things at various times, setting those up and then actually following them and forcing them is huge. Um, and then as I said, great briefs, you know, for marketing campaigns specifically presented to everyone, including sales folks who you hopefully have, uh, have to help you create, um, create that brief, create your campaign just so that everyone knows their roles and everyone feels like they're, they're a part of it. And I think that's really great advice to get people started. And as you mentioned, you know, there's no shortage of resources and, uh, you know, other coverage, um, from, from other folks talking about the processes that they've used to, to kind of get that alignment. Um, I think it's great to, to avail ourselves of all those resources. I want to transition a little bit more into um, crafting the campaign and building the different channels that you're going to use for a specific campaign. And I want to bring in the topic of the buyer's journey. So how does the buyer's journey and those different stages play into identifying the right channels for a specific campaign? Yeah. So, you know, we, I'm the terminology I'm going to use, I mean, there's, you know, there's the, the consideration phase and all the stuff that's been lined up by HubSpot and others. The way that I'm going to talk about it is whole, you know, cold audience, warm audience, hot audience. Right. Um, the, I guess think about it this way. Like if you were going out to greet someone, you wouldn't say the same thing to someone who's a complete stranger as you would to someone who's a casual acquaintance. And you wouldn't say something, you wouldn't say the same thing to someone who's a casual acquaintance as you would to someone who's like a really close friend. Um, and what's missing, what's missing between those things is familiarity in context. Like if I immediately go up to someone who's a stranger and be like, Hey buddy, so good to see you again. Like, Oh, it's, it's so, you know, like the person would be like, I, this is, am I unpumped? Like, where's Ashton Kutcher? Is he coming out somewhere? Like it would feel weird. It would be, it would be like an immediate, like it would put them in immediate, like defense mode. Right. But so often with, with marketing, with marketing campaigns, the messaging is crafted to, is like kind of like hot messaging. Like these people who are ready to buy now, they've had their questions answered. They're like in making their short list and going through it, going through it. They're doing feature comparisons, like you know pricing like that and that's the kind of stuff they're talking about like so many campaigns are only focused on that yet they blast their message to and that's like three at any given time that's like two to three percent of the market right and kind of that of, of any market is in that mode but they're blasting that that messaging to the other 97 percent of the market who may not even think or know that they have a problem or is just starting their their uh you know researching uh process for that so it's like no wonder that so many marketing campaigns don't work it's because the messaging isn't aligned to people who are in you know in various stages of their of their buyer's journey so like a cold audience if i come at them with like buy now buy now feature 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 or you know hey this is a brand new better way to do this thing or solve this problem but i don't even know i have a problem 
I'm not aware of it or I don't think it's as big of a problem because it hasn't been explained to me. And I also don't know who you are. I don't know your brand. I'm just seeing you for the first time. Like that's going to fall, that's going to fall flat. You know, it's, it's, they're not ready for that type of messaging. And so it's so easily ignored by them because it's just more noise that doesn't speak to where they are. So when you're identifying your channels and tactics, you know, who you're talking to and what context they have and experience that they have with, with your brand, you know, the problems that you solve and how you solve them is just as important as the channels and tactics themselves. Um, and so you have to be very clear about, you know, maybe within your cross-marketing channel, you do have, if you're doing like, if let's say you're using LinkedIn ads, for example, you would want to break down like, Hey, these are our cold messaging ads. Here's who we're using, you know, who's who we're targeting using LinkedIn's targeting to reach for those things. You know, they come to a, you know, maybe they come to a landing page or they watch, uh, we did this recently with some, um, you know, with some ads that we ran on there that were video ads. It's like, if they were, if they watched more than, you know, 50% or more than that, uh, of that video, you can set up retargeting based on that. And now they get a, you know, a paradigm shift and warm, a warmer type of messaging that kind of moves them through the, uh, the funnels because it's based on their behavior. Um, that's how, you know, one way that you could set up and maybe they visit a, a landing page and then, so you can retarget based on the landing page. And now they get more hot type language of, you know, feature benefits, et cetera, et cetera. That's more like for those who are really in deep consideration and uh, decision-making mode. So yes, buyer's journey, however you want to call it, cold, warm, hot, uh, you know, evaluation, consideration phases, whatever, whatever framework you use that, that, <laughs> that is, is how you want to think about it. You need to be crafting messaging that aligns to those things across your, your channels and your, and your tactics and across marketing uh, or cross channel marketing plan. Excellent. Now, I think that there's uh, one piece that we haven't really talked about much yet um, that is really crucial when you're crafting campaigns of any sort, but especially when you're trying to coordinate across different channels. Um, and that's your tools, your tech, <laughs> you know, the different tools that you have uh, in, in place. So, I specifically want to talk about like how you can use your CRM to coordinate your campaigns. Um, so what features um, should people be looking for or leveraging in their existing CRM if they have one? Um, well, they should have one <laughs> um, to connect these dots for these campaigns. Yes. And I'm just I'm just going to say this to anyone who is listening. You cannot see me. So I'm not going to say look at me. <laughs> Look at your, look, if you're looking at your, if you're in your car, look at the, look, look at the center console. Look at your radio. Look, <laughs> look at your radio. If you're listening to this on your phone, look at your phone and just listen to me, which is for way too long in my marketing career, the companies I worked for either didn't have a CRM or it was a crap CRM. <laughs> Not going to name any names, but it wasn't HubSpot. I'll tell you that much. And so it made, I had no ability to pull lists or make lists or do anything based on demographic or firmographic information. We had to literally pay for any kind of email list that we wanted. Oh, geez. So you're just flying blind. Yes. And so for that period of my life, all of my marketing campaigns sucked. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. I don't know if they won. 
So this is this is all all that is to say is that all the tool of all the tools that are out there. Yes, you need a great you know you need all the marketing tools and everything, but your CRM, I have found from being pre HubSpot life with nothing to now being in HubSpot and seeing all of the powerful features that the CRM has, which I have tapped into five percent of those. I want to say probably. Um, that it really does it it can make or break your campaign i mean it's it's basic stuff from like demographic and firmographic information um which is pretty you know pretty pretty basic but then you layer on top of that you know let's say that gives you a list of two thousand people uh in your in your database and your crm that you can reach out to via campaign um you know through emails or, or whatever we'll say emails just to keep it simple in this example Okay, but then you layer on top of that, okay, of those people who fit those demographic and firmographic uh, criteria, you also then go into the behaviors. So what forms have they filled out for certain resources? Have they converted on certain like top of funnel resources that, you, that you've provided? Have they visited specific pages that indicate a certain level of interest or curiosity? So like a, a pricing page or case studies, you know, for someone who's doing that, you know, they're... On t- you know, in addition to other behaviors, you can kind of start to infer some things about these people, where they are in their journey. Um, you know, couple of that with like life cycle stage, where are they at? Have you, you know, are they just a lead, someone whose contact information that you have? Um, you know, are they someone who sales has talked to before and, you know, they just haven't, they didn't say no, but they also didn't say yes. Um, you know, so they're just kind of there in your, CRM and they need they need constant communication and they need some other form of communication. Um, one thing that I really want one um, prop contact property that I really like is like looking at deals that were or opportunities that were marked as closed and lost, and looking at the reason that is put in there. There should always be a reason. Just again, just like when we talk about why when we win deals, why did we win those? If we lost them, why did we lose them? Right. And if it's like ended up losing to a lot of times it's called no decision. You know, they didn't, they decided not to make any change, whether it's with you or someone else. They're sticking with what they have, their incumbent product, their incumbent way of doing things. We didn't, to me, that indicates like, hey, we didn't do, we didn't demonstrate that this is our, you know, our way, whatever client is that we're working for. You know, we did not indicate that their solution is their way of doing things, what it unlocks is a massive transformation for them that's going to make their lives easier. That's going to help them attain their ultimate goal or ultimate outcome. We didn't do a good enough job of that. Demonstrate that that value. Yeah. Right. Right. So I mean, that's all the stuff that you can get from your CRM. I'm, I know there's a million other things that I, I have not mentioned. And again, I have, I have, I, there's so many ways that you can tap into the CRM. I have not taught that into half of them of things that you can, you know, things that you can do to build super segmented audiences. But like that's the CRM is, is in addition to your, your CMS platform that you have, um, email, if that's a big thing for you, landing pages, like those are all kind of the destinations, but in order to get the most targeted, the most targeted, um, uh, audience, the, the audience that's most likely to convert you have to be using the data, making the most of the data within uh, uh, that, making the most of the data that's within your CRM, right? Going back to that principle we talked about early on of 
maximizing what you already have before you start going outside and paying for email lists. If you're doing that, please don't do that. <laughs> um, or, um, you know, or using other, you know, s- supplementing that with like ad platforms and things like that. CRM really helps you make the most of the data that you do have, the contact information that you do have to, you know, again, as I said, make the most of it to maximize what you're going to get out of that and, and uh, set yourself up for a successful campaign. Amazing. Yeah. So the big takeaway, you need CRM. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just skip, go back, go back through it and cut out everything. I just said it's the first part of it. <laughs> And just say you need a CRM. There you go. That works. An easy and one that's easy that easy enough for marketers to use. Because as I said, there's there are CRMs out there from people from brands, companies, Fortune 100 companies that are supposedly industry leaders. And those things are not easy to use. If I have to continually ask people to pull lists for me, like that. No. Yeah, it's not user friendly yeah. enough to like actually help you empower each of your marketers to take control of their campaigns yeah yeah no no thank you that's a pass for me (laughs) well we've covered a lot of really great and valuable information in this episode and so i want to close things off with an example that kind of brings everything home um so do you have a creative example uh that you've seen of a successful uh or effective multi-channel campaign and what's what was so effective about it? Let's kind of just talk through an, a real world example if you have one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the brands, I know that they're kind of a larger brand. And so people are going to like, oh, we're, if you're looking for, if you're looking for like a small brand making it big, I'm sorry, I don't have one of those for you. <laughs> but <laughs> one of the brands is, uh, is Zendesk. Um and I encounter I encounter this all. I don't really I've don't think that I've really ever gone to their I've gone to their website a few times. Uh so I've gotten some remarketing, you know, some retargeting retargeting ads on like LinkedIn um for those and the look and feel of those was consistent. The excuse me, the messaging was you know, the messaging was consistent. I mean, you know, the the um think about why people would go to Zendesk, what type of solution that is. Uh, what they're selling, ultimately the what they're helping people achieve. The LinkedIn ads I got align with that. Uh, I've heard them, um, I've heard them as uh, sponsors on podcasts and their ad reads. It all sounds, it all sounds, it sounds like someone just reading their website to me. Um, you know, I haven't gotten any emails from them. I don't think I've ever given them my my information, um, but I do know that they also. Just having looked at their website, they um, I looked at their social media accounts. It's all it is all lined up. Uh, they have some webinars that they do. They have some events that they do. Um, haven't actually participated in those, but you know from the registration pages, from everything that look, that I've seen from those, they all line up. I mean, the messaging is the messaging is is tight. It's uh, particularly in spaces where you have limited. Um, we have limited time to capture someone's attention, like a like a LinkedIn ad. Someone's scrolling through their feed. Um, it, the the messaging is tight. It's focused on a specific pain point. It is and it's engaging enough to make you stop uh, and look at it, even if you don't if you, if you don't click on it uh, ultimately, uh, because I don't need Zendesk. Uh, just as a marketer, just looking around <laughs> at how other people do stuff. But 
uh, I was really impressed with their, um, with their, uh, uh, their, their use of cross channel stuff. I'm sure they do other things that I just have not seen. Uh, but that's one that I've seen a fair about. So another example that I have is, uh, uh, Zapier. So again, uh, curious that they're both brands that start with Z. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I have gone to their website a few times. We do, we do use them in a limited capacity for, you know, some automation stuff. We have some, some zap set up for stuff for, for our agency, but, um, Again, heard them on heard them as a podcast sponsor on Dave Gearhart's podcast, uh, and again the, the 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 messaging that he's reading through, like it could be he could just be reading me stuff from their their website. It's very uh, it's very um, you know aligned with their their tone and their style uh, as they use as they do on their website. See a few things from them on on social. I don't remember if it was paid or organic. But again, it's all tight to to the brand, um, and again, it doesn't it doesn't create dissonance for me when I'm when I'm seeing their stuff because it's just stuff that I come to um, that I've come to expect from them. Amazing. So there you go, Zendesk and Zapier, uh, folks, go through and check them out, see what they're doing, and uh, maybe use that as a bit of a template for for doing your cross channel marketing. And if you're sorry, one more I just thought of. Uh, if you want a good example, just because I, I thought of this, uh, if you want a good example of a great company page on LinkedIn, you know a lot of people say, like, "Oh, no one follows brands; they want to follow people." But there is like company pages are making a comeback. I'll tell you. Um, look at Gong, G O N G Gong. Look at their LinkedIn. Uh, look at their LinkedIn page and what they do there. It's it's high on opinion, um, but they have the data to back things up, and it's like, hey, this is this is how you should, um, you know, this is how you should do. I forget exactly what it was, but like, hey, the, the, it's it's very um, tactical type knowledge, but they back it up with like, this we've seen, you know, we've seen this to be true uh, because X percent of you know companies in their sales. Et cetera, et cetera, do this. Like they really back it up well, and it aligns with every single other thing that I've uh, I've seen or people I've encountered from Gong. Whether that's their CMO being interviewed on a podcast, or um, you know their website, or uh, other people talking about Gong or or sponsoring a, you know sponsoring another podcast, like it all lines it all lines up super well. But I wanted to make that point because um, you know there's a lot of our you know our our, our audience isn't on LinkedIn. They're not doing stuff by LinkedIn. Company pages don't work. Like just go look at Gong and look at the interaction they get on every single post because they're, whoever is running that, running that for them. Well, well done to you, sir, or madam, uh, because <laughs> you are, you are killing it. And it's a great distribution channel for their voice, their messaging and their unique insights and their unique take on their industry. Amazing. Amazing. So Zendesk, Xavier, and Gong. Go check those guys out. And uh, that wraps us up uh, for this episode on cross-channel marketing. Thank you so much for chatting with me about all this today, Matt. I think it's really going to help folks out. Absolutely. It is my number one thing I like to do in my spare time is talk cross-channel marketing, uh, <laughs> particularly particularly with uh, the great Mallory Coon. So glad to have been here. <laughs> 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you everyone out there for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss one of our episodes. And if you have a moment, uh, take a few seconds and rate and review the show on your favorite podcast application. Until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year.